Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation. And happy to be back with you folks for another week of the National Crawford Roundtable with myself, Bob Duco, with John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron. Gentlemen, how are you? Good, Bob. Bob. How are you? Oh, good. Always good catching up with you guys every week. It's getting closer. Less than two weeks yes, away. Yes, it is. I know. Tell me about it. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things that we're going to try to pack into this week's episode. Uh, it's going to be mainly driven by the the evangelical Christian vote. Now, we're hearing a lot about how President Trump has been securing the evangelical vote, okay, which is true and good and whatever. Uh, but in my honest opinion, it's not as high as it should be. And so I want to share some numbers, throw these out on the table, and then kind of go around the table and talk about it a little bit. Lifeway Research did a survey recently of self-described evangelical Christians, and they found that 29% of evangelical Christians say that they're going to vote for Joe Biden. 61% say they're going to vote for Trump. The remaining 10% say they're not going to vote for either. So what that means is you get 39% of evangelical Christians who refuse to vote for Trump or are just going to flat out vote for Biden. Now, my personal opinion, I think that's inexcusable. Uh, you break it down among whites and blacks. White evangelicals, 73% say they're going with Trump, 18% for Biden, 9% for neither. So among white evangelicals, you get a combined total of 27% who just are not going to vote for Donald Trump. Of black evangelicals, uh, we know African Americans tend to overwhelmingly go Democrats, so we shouldn't be surprised by this, but black evangelicals, 19% said they're going to vote for Trump, 69% for Biden, 12% for neither, so you got 81% of black evangelicals that are not going to vote for Trump. Uh, so what I want to deal with is uh, the 39% overall of evangelical Christians who say, I'm just, I'm not going to vote for Trump. Either I'm going to vote for Biden, or I'm not going to vote for either one of them, but I can't bring myself to vote for Donald Trump. Which then begs the question, why is this? Why is it that some evangelicals can't get behind this president? And I've argued, and this is what I want, kind of want to throw out, and then I want to get it out to you guys. I've argued that it's a combination of some legitimate criticisms of him and some illegitimate criticisms of him that many evangelicals believe. The legitimate criticisms are things like, yes, his tone can be harsh and a turnoff sometimes. He can sometimes be too petty and personally insulting. Let's face it, he doesn't do a good job displaying things like compassion, empathy, tenderness, humility, all that kind of stuff. He does still use foul language uh, from time to time, even publicly. And of course, his sleazy and vulgar past. So we know about that stuff. My argument is that those things, while they may be true, I don't think that they should outweigh the policies and positions and things that he's done that, that are pro-God, uh, pro-Christian, pro-life, pro-Israel, and on down the line. I think his policies trump his personality, pun intended. Uh, but then there's some negative perceptions of him that I think are unfair and false. Uh, that he constantly lies, that he, uh, you know, that, that, that he um, 
is just a constant liar in everything that he says and a lot of the things that he's been accused of calling neo-nazis very fine people inject bleach in your arm coronavirus is a hoax blah 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 so uh what i want to do is i want to address these honestly and factually and objectively today and so, so let's start kind of first by going around the, the the room a little bit and John Rush, let me start with you, of course. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, what is your immediate takeaway for uh, explaining 39% of evangelical Christians overall say that they absolutely will not vote for President Trump? What, what, what's your take on that? What do we do about it? it? Well, first of all, it's an utter atrocity. These are people that evidently are not as, as so let me say this in the right way, faithful is what I would hope they would be. They're not as intelligent as I would hope they'd be. And yeah, I'm stepping on toes when I say that, but, but if you can really sit there and say that, I'm just gonna be honest, guys, you're, you're a moron. You, you don't know the facts. You're not looking at things correctly. You're using emotion to base what you're doing this election on versus the facts, which anytime you put emotion into equation, things get screwed up. You've gotta look at things factually. I would also ask those same group of individuals that probably, there's some of them that will be listening to our podcast, I would ask those same group of individuals, uh, do they not hire an employee because they use foul language or might not live the life that they think they ought to live? I mean, ultimately, that's what Donald Trump is. He is my employee that I have hired to run the country for the past four years. I would like him to run the country for the next four years because I've liked the outcome of the country that he's ran for the past four years. That's ultimately, as a Christian, how I view it. Right. Roger, what's your take? Roger Marsh, of course, well, the bottom line out of uh, the People's Republic of California. Yes, where several counties were just recently reinstated from the red list to the purple list, including Riverside County and San Bernardino County, which means churches are closed once again uh, two weeks before the election. So uh, we, we know something, a thing or two about how your tone uh, can actually set the tone for what you're actually doing. But the reality is, um, you know, here we are talking about a president who says some rather rough things, and we're talking about people who like to hear things said the way that they like to do. If you take the statements of Donald Trump and take the statements of Barack Obama, the things that they talked about in terms of foreign policy, domestic policy, things of that nature, you will find that a, a number of people would look at the Obama policies and say, I like them better because they like the way he presented them. You know, the, and the, the Donald Trump issue, the the highlight reel that we have seen of all the times he's condemned racism, for example, and white supremacy, completely right. falls on deaf ears for so many people. And I think the biggest concern for me, Bob, as you were listing off the statistics there from Lifeway, is the fact that so many people in the evangelical church now are buying into that. They're taking personality over policy, and it's just, it's so it's so dangerous. I, I, I'm in agreement with both of you and John in terms of the fact that, first of all, we hire the president, and I, I, when we put it that way, it changes the whole conversation for a lot of people because they kind of think that the president is somehow ordained by God in the sense that we have no say in this. We have to actually pull the lever on the handle. We have to actually fill in the box and vote. But secondly, I mean, the, the, we're, we're at a time right now where I, I, the, the, the president has all the ammunition he needs to win this thing in a landslide. I think the problem that we're running into right now is that he is his own worst enemy. And some of the things that you mentioned, Bob, that you know that are legitimate criticisms about him may come back to haunt him in the next couple of weeks. So uh, it, it's a very interesting time. But I, I think that in terms of the you know the criticisms that you make, they're fair. Uh, the ones that the media are making, they're not fair. And the question is, can we cut through the error uh, fast enough to uh, see about getting four more years of this of this administration, which I think has been very good for America. 
Sure. You know, Neil, I'm curious to get your take on on the things like his his personality, his style, his tone, his use of foul language. Obviously, as Christians, we don't like that. And so none of us would try to defend those personality flaws, if you will. To me, that's not the, the issue. The debate should not be, is Donald Trump a flawed person who's too rough around the edges in some areas? To me, that's not what the debate should be. The debate should be, does his roughness around the edges rise to the level of outweighing the policies that he's enacted as president, the judges that he's been appointing, the 218 federal and appellate and circuit court judges, including Supreme Court, across the country, uh, and and the actual fighting for Christians, for religious freedoms, uh, for Israel. for It seems to me that those policies of his, God-honoring policies, should hold more weight uh, than than his personality flaws. And that, to me, is what I can't, for the life of me, figure out how some evangelical Christians can be so driven by emotion that they'll go ahead and allow Joe Biden to get into office and dramatically alter this country just because I don't like the ickiness of how Donald Trump talks and he rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, you could look at it that way, but I I think there's more to it. I mean, you're asking an honest question, why won't more evangelicals vote for Donald Trump? But you have to remember, and by the way, let me state unequivocally that I will be voting for Donald Trump. And I can see past the stuff that we, you know, we talk about all these smoke screens that the mainstream media throws up. In fact, yesterday on my broadcast, we talked about personality versus platform. And we just literally laid out what do the Democrats say that they want to accomplish? What do the Republicans say they want to accomplish? And to me, there's no comparison. I mean, if you're a believer and you look at the two and you see that one completely supporting human life and doing everything we can to protect the unborn, including after they're born, um, and the other party, the Democrats, not supporting that and, and championing so-called women's rights, you know, to the exclusion of the unborn child or the child has, that has survived an abortion and is now left to die on the table. I mean, the, you can't, in my mind, you can't, you can't equate those two things. So I agree with you fully that I think the evangelical position should be that we look past Donald Trump's foibles and his lack of decorum and stuff and that we support him for every other reason, because he gets stuff done and because he gets stuff done that matters to Bible-believing Christians and patriotic Americans. Um, but I, I, I got a couple of things I want to say, and I realize we're up against a break. So can we take the break and I'll come back yeah, and, let's and do, get to that? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, absolutely. I'll tell you what, we'll take a break right now, and then we'll continue this conversation on the National Be Crawford Roundtable. by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible through in-depth, verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth For Life on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or listen online at truthfullife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at the truthfullife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truth For Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Continuing here on the National Crawford Roundtable with myself, Bob Duco, out of Detroit, Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line out of California, John Rush of Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, Neil Boron of Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York, and Neil, a point that you were making about, we were talking before the break, of course, about yeah. uh, the harshness and the tone and the, the, the personality turnoffs that some evangelicals have of Donald Trump, and my feeling that, that abs- it is inexcusable for Christians to allow those faults and flaws, which we acknowledge, to hold more weight, more voting power weight for them 
than the actual God-honoring policies that this president has been enacting. And so you, you were making a point on that. Yeah, and you raise a fair question, and this is a good topic to talk about. I'm glad we're addressing it today. But let me just, I think, I've said this before, I think that we need to be godly umpires and call balls and strikes the way we see them. Why would an evangelical voter hesitate to support Donald Trump? Well, if you look at the term evangelical, first and foremost, we represent Christ. That's our primary calling. And when somebody says, well, wait a minute, look at how he treats other people. Look at the things he says, uh, albeit, I understand, mainstream media twists a lot of stuff. They pull quotes out of context. But, you know, when, when people say, look, I want somebody that, that, that is dignified and that offers some sense of decorum. No, we, we are not hiring a pastor. We're hiring a president. But has anyone ever seen a former president talk to people the way Donald Trump does? And I think that some evangelicals say, well, if I'm going to equate myself with that man, I'm dragging Jesus into the equation, and I'm not comfortable doing that. And I just think, honestly, some people can't make that um, that commitment. And, the other th- and real quick, Neil, and they're wrong, because the other thing that we don't know as Christians is you just talked about past presidents. I guarantee you that there are past presidents running around that probably act far worse than Donald Trump does in private. They just don't do it publicly. The news media doesn't hammer them day in and day out for the way that they behave, you know, through all of the different things that they may actually involve themselves in. The problem with Donald Trump is the news media focuses on every little thing the guy does wrong to the point where they'll even lie about the things that he's done because I know for a fact that off camera, he's not the guy that he is on camera. All right. Listen, is this a Trump rally or are we having an honest conversation here? Like if, no, I'm if just, this I'm is just a, saying, I, I think uh, these people are wrong in their thought process. Okay. I'm just, but I'm trying to explain the thought process. And I, I think that there's more to the equation. Uh, in You know, the, the, the term that we're, we're voting for a president, not a pastor, that actually came from a San Diego newspaper columnist in 1992. And, and Dr. Dobson called it out in 1992 and said, look how far we've come that that we would say, well, you know, who cares about character, referring to Bill Clinton at the time, who cares about character? Uh, and he was raising the issue, if this man can't be faithful to his wife, then how can we have him as the president of the United States? Okay, well, that's now a term that pastors are using and that we've said on this broadcast. We're not hiring a, pre- a pastor, we're hiring a president. So I'm just saying that there are some people who look at that who've been Christians for a long time, they've been evangelical voters. And they look at it as a sense of it, that it represents hypocrisy. Like, wait a minute, we we used to say the character really mattered, and now it doesn't. Now I'm so so. We're, so what we're saying is Joe Biden's character is better than Donald Trump's. Is that what they're going to tell me? No, and I'm not saying that. I, I would. Well, that's, I think, that's essentially what these Christians that won't vote for Trump are telling me. Okay, John, but the, the bottom line is I'm not saying that any of them could in turn or should in turn then turn around and go, well, then I'll vote for, for Joe Biden, because what does Joe Biden represent? We need to take a careful look at that. But the question was raised, why are evangelicals hesitating to vote for Donald Trump? Because Jesus is getting drug into the equation along with him, and some of them just aren't comfortable with that. Well, and I'll add one more thing to that. They don't understand civics. I'll throw one thing in there. We as a church, and I've said this numerous times on this podcast, and I'll keep hammering it, for the past 60, 70 years, we have not taught civics in the church. We've and, and we've we've been wrong Agreed. in that, guys. Agreed. Uh, so right. they don't understand civics, but they do have a sense of theology. Maybe I would even question that at times. Okay, I, I, I guess. I, I guess, in all honesty, and, and this is where you know, not to pick on Neil here, but I got to side with John on this. <laughs> that I do because I the, the the question for me really boils down to: we can't have 
everything perfect, okay? There is no perfect human being other than Jesus Christ. He's not going to come down and run for president. So everybody is flawed. We have a measure of how flawed the person is. Now, you brought up Bill Clinton. I believe, honestly, that if Donald Trump right now, today, in 2020, were engaging in sex acts in the Oval Office with a 20-year-old intern, I do believe that evangelical support for him would dry up dramatically because that would be considered offensive. But what we're talking about with Donald Trump is a guy, if we want to talk about personal character issues, all right, let, let's let's address the personal character. This is a guy who we all uh, well, know. Can I, before you do, can I just point yes. out that, that, yeah. that Dobson's letter was written prior to Bill Clinton being elected president. So this was referring to past affairs, Jennifer Flowers, and all of that. This had nothing it. to do with Monica Lewinsky. Gotcha. Okay, I, I understand that. I understand that. Uh, but, of course, the character matters terminology was used a lot especially when the uh when the monica Lewinsky thing came out on top of it okay but we all know that donald trump spent his entire year spent decades of his career as a womanizing sleazy vulgar narcissistic money chasing uh a billionaire playboy. Okay, we know that's who Donald Trump was. And he was immersed in the world of Hollywood, Planned Parenthood, and liberalism. And what he did is he's had a transformation in his life, and he's basically traded in an old group of friends. He's turned his back on the Hollywood liberals. He's turned his back on Planned Parenthood and the left and everything else, and he's walked over to the evangelical Christian community and said, I would like to be part of your world, uh, evangelical Christians and pro-lifers. Uh, and you know what? The, the, if I've said this before. If we compare Donald Trump to, uh, to our pastor... Okay. Yes, of course. Donald Trump is like, oh my goodness, look how look how uh, rough he is. All right. But if we compare Donald Trump of 2020 to Donald Trump of 2010, I don't know how anyone can deny that there hasn't been movement there. And for 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 Donald Trump to give up and walk away, what he walked away from, and join us and embrace us. I just think that evangelical Christians ought to extend to him some grace and say, you know something, there's a lot of edges that still need to be sanded, but we appreciate the fact that he traded in them for us, and now he's fighting for us, and we ought to be encouraging that, praying for him, and supporting him along, instead of hyper-analyzing every single fault we can find in him as an excuse to say, I just don't like him, therefore I'm dragging Jesus down by voting for him. I don't think I'm dragging Jesus down into anything, okay? Politics is an ugly, dirty business. But if I take my vote that I've been given as an American and I bury that talent in the ground or I I use that vote in a way that helps to uh, get Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in power and gets their uh, gets their policies affecting my neighbor. I believe I've used my vote in a way that dishonors God. And frankly, that I believe would be dragging Jesus down into the mud to use my vote that I've been given to help push the radical leftist socialist anti-Christian agenda in this country. So I, Who, I, I think I'm not saying that any, suck it up and get not, behind Donald Trump. I'm not in the least bit advocating that any evangelical should support the Democratic Party platform or the socialist agenda or any of that. But the, but the honest question was asked, why are some evangelicals hesitating? And I think because many of us were around in 1992. We saw what would happen to Bill Clinton and all of that stuff. And then we're saying, well, wait a minute, why does why does Donald Trump seem to get a free pass? And for, for some good reasons, perhaps, that we're going to describe here, I'm just saying it creates a dilemma in the evangelical church. I mean, there's that old joke that uh, if Donald Trump walked on water, the mainstream media would run 
on an article saying uh, that he can't swim. We get right. it. That's, a, that's an attack on the mainstream media. But the fact is, there are some people in the evangelical church that believe Donald Trump can walk on water. And, and he's a human being. He's a flawed human being. And at times, we need to call out his inefficiencies or his weaknesses, not just always support him as though he's God and he does no wrong. Jesus well, is the I don't one who gets out most allegiance to Donald Trump. I got no Christians in my circle that have that kind of view of Donald Trump, that this Messiah complex that he can do no wrong, and what like they had for Obama hope and change in 2008. I haven't seen that among any, any of, of my circle of I, evangelical Christians. I have people in my personal circle and on Facebook and others that I've seen on social media that are terrified that if Donald Trump doesn't win, the world is going to come to an end. And what I say is if Donald Trump doesn't win, I hope he does, but if he doesn't, Jesus will be sitting on the throne. Their hope and trust, I believe, is in the, the Republican Party and Donald Trump, inappropriately so. Do they trust in Jesus? Sure, but I think that they've gone overboard with it, and I'm, I'm just calling out what I've seen. All right, let's do this, Neil, because uh, I want to drag Roger Marsh in here and have him settle this once drag and for him. all. The Oracle yeah. of Wisdom, okay? But, uh, Neil, I know we got to take a break first. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do that, and then Roger can beat me up too. All right. So you're listening to the. <laughs> you're listening Go get to him, the, Roger. Yeah. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable. Learn how to walk the narrow path with Steve Gray. With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. This is the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, and I didn't intend to find myself in the middle of the uh, the bullseye, but I am... only because I think it's important that we look fairly at why some evangelicals are hesitating. Well, what? And by the way, can we address that? But anyway, Roger's going to jump in and fix all this. And Roger oh, Marsh sure. from California, you're up. <laughs> no, right, Roger, well, set him straight. I, well, I, I think this has kind of become the National Crawford dunk take. I mean, in terms of yeah. you know Neil sitting on there and everyone taking their best shot. But but if we say this in love and respect, I think Neil brings a very fair question to the table with regard to uh, you know the the quote from thirty years ago versus where we are now in the culture. I think John and Bob, you guys are are bringing some excellent points as well. I don't know too many people who think that uh, that, that Donald Trump is a messiah, but I've seen that messiah complex. You know that, that Neil has has mentioned here, and and quite frankly, I think we're all in agreement that the America will be worse off if Joe Biden wins the election than if Donald Agreed. Trump has won the election. Uh, looking at what the thing that I found fascinating as we're having this conversation here is I think 30 years ago, because we were all in our 20s back then, I think 30 years ago, we as Americans and as Christians honestly thought that we could elect somebody of good, noble character. We really honestly thought, you know, the moral majority was hanging around and Dr. Dobson was, you know, really making some headway, and he still is, I mean, in his mid-80s now. Of course. But we, we honestly really believed that we could find somebody of noble character who would uphold, you know, the values of, you know, of, of God and country. And now we're beginning to realize, I think, a lot of us that you can't. I mean, everybody's flawed. And I, I, Bob's point is very well taken. The fact that if you compare the Donald, the Donald Trump of 2010 is going to run for a, a election 
and get the support of evangelical Christians. But the Donald Trump of 2020 is. And when you look at the, the landscape, guys, I mean, you know, hate to be the one who keeps bringing this one up, but we do live in a sinful, fallen world. We aren't going to find a perfect candidate. And right now we have two choices in front of us. We're either going to choose socialism and Joe Biden, or we're going to choose more of what we've had for the past four years with Donald Trump. And I think all of us would agree that the, the Trump-Pence ticket, you know, delivers closer to what we are looking for uh, in terms of our Christian morals and values and ideals. Now, the nuances and the multifacets of this jewel are that how people, you know, perceive the president, how they perceive the office of the presidency. I mean, there's so many contradictions that happen in the culture all the time. I mean, Donald Trump has diagnosed the coronavirus. The media is all over him. Why is he he's just doing this? It's a publicity stunt. Kamala Harris jumps off the campaign trail for two weeks because a member of her staff allegedly has it. And I was reading this morning on Twitter that she was as a fundraiser last night answering uh, trivia questions from the cast of the Avengers. You know, it's just it's out of the it's out of the media. In other words, we're back to the personalities again. We like these people. We don't like these people. There's a a lot to like about Donald Trump. There's a lot to not like about Donald Trump. But quite frankly, I mean, it, we're, we're all kind of hypocrites if we don't look at a guy like that and say, yeah, he's flawed, so am I, and uh, and move on from it. So I don't know if I answered your questions necessarily, and hopefully I got Neil out of the dunk tank a little bit. But I, 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 I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought the question up, though, because, I mean, it, it, it's something that we're going to wrestle with, and I don't think we're going to solve it e even before November 3rd. But at least sure. then we're being intellectually honest right. by saying, okay, look at, uh, let's let's acknowledge that he's not perfect. I mean, another thing, and I'm not throwing a stone at this podcast by any means. Thank God we have the ability here to talk about these things and set the record straight um, and provide a, a solid understanding of why evangelicals should consider voting for uh, Donald Trump. But, um, you know, honestly, if you go back, let's just over the last 10 podcasts and count the number of times we said the word Trump versus how many times we said the word Jesus or attached a scripture to the conversation, it's, you know, it's astronomical. Uh, what, so I, what, I'm, what I'm concerned about, and I think this is what I'm trying to say for other evangelical voters, is that some people feel like that, that the thing gets weighted, that it's out of balance, that somehow our conservative, somehow our conservative politics are informing our Christianity as opposed to the other way around. Now, I'm not trying to be a legalist and throw stones at anybody. I'm just saying that's, that's my opinion. I'm sticking to it, and we can go on with the conversation from here. So, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I, you know, look, one of the things I think all of us as believers can do is we can agree to disagree in some areas while we agree to agree in other areas. And this is just something where, and I've said this many times, anyone who has more of a passion for politics or this election or Donald Trump than they do Jesus Christ obviously is practicing idolatry and their priorities are out of whack. Uh, but it just seems to me, especially when we're in an election season, it's such a pivotal election season, I see nothing wrong with a couple of Christians sitting around uh, spending a couple of hours debating which football team they think is best and having that debate and Jesus may not come up once. And that doesn't mean that football has suddenly become yeah. their God. It just means it's during the Super Bowl and you're having that debate. Well, right now it's during the election and we're having this debate and we're, we're having it from a Christian perspective. And I think it's important that we acknowledge none of us are denying that Donald Trump has flaws. None of us are saying... Uh, he's perfect and we, we should sweep under the rug any flaws and pretend that he doesn't have them. No, we're acknowledging them up front. He has flaws. What we're saying is that his flaws should not rise to the level of outweighing his benefits, namely his policies. His policies right. should hold more weight. And therefore, I'm saying the evangelical Christians who are giving more weight to his personal flaws and personality, I believe, with all due respect, they are wrong and they should be shown that they are wrong, that their priorities are out of line. 
Okay, so let's get to oh. it. But but what I'm saying is that's why um, they feel the way they do. So let's help them understand sure. why they should feel differently. Right. Sounds good. Now, with that said, uh, we've talked about the, the things that are accurate criticisms of President Trump and how we deal with those. I want to deal with some of the inaccurate, false claims made about him. There's a lot of evangelicals who say, I won't vote for Trump because of, and they rattle off a bunch of talking points. And those talking points are just flat out false. And so we're going to do some fact checking coming up next uh, on this National Crawford Roundtable. And by the way, the second half, folks, you can listen to online. You can go to Crawford.live. You can also listen at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. We'd love it if you would give us a nice big five-star review. But Neil Boron, Roger Marsh, John Rush, myself, Bob Duco, will continue the second half coming up next. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco, out of Detroit, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Roger Marsh, the bottom line out of Southern California, uh, Neil Boron licking his wounds and nursing his black <laughs> eyes from, from all of us. <laughs> Love uh, you guys. Neil Boron live, Buffalo, New York. And, uh, and by the way, I, I should say, just for Neil, in all fairness, you're not saying you're part of that. 39% who won't vote for Donald Trump. You are. I said sorry. at the yes, beginning, I'm voting I, for Donald right. Trump. And I want to make sure, right, so I'm just, I want to have your back here a little bit. You are declaring, yes, I'm voting for Donald Trump. I think you're just expressing a little more empathy for those who refuse to than the rest well, it, of us are feeling. And, and you know, honestly, and, and, and I know we need to move on, but honestly, it isn't even just that I want to express empathy for those. I, I think that there needs to be some reasonable explanation as to why that number of people won't support this president when he stands for the platform he stands for. And I think they have some somewhat legitimate reasons, but I think they pale in comparisons to the reasons they should be voting for him. And that's why we're here to talk about that. But, you know, the question right. was, why are 39 percent not going to vote for Donald Trump? And I said, because I think there's some real issues and obstacles they're trying to work through. Let's help them see why they need to work through these things. All right. Now, let's talk about some of the negative perceptions of him that, quite frankly, I think are unfair. One of the things we hear is that he constantly lies. How can we vote for somebody who lies all the time? Now, I would never be, none of us would be naive enough to say that Donald Trump would never tell a lie. No, he's not George Washington, and that's a myth anyway. But uh, So we know better than that, okay? Uh but I also don't agree with the Washington Post list of 25,000 Trump lies. If you go through, I haven't read all 25,000 of those, but I'll tell you what, I've gone through and read probably in the neighborhood of 1,000 to 1,200 of them, okay? And overwhelmingly, they are not lies. They are not. They are just being called lies, where President Trump gives his opinion about something. It's a legitimate opinion. A bunch of people, including experts, agree with him. But the Washington Post disagrees, so therefore they say it is a, quote, lie. Uh, now, there are, and there's some other things where he's just flat out lied about, and when he denies it, then that's called a lie. That's not fair either. We'll get to those in a little bit. But then one of them is his tend to use hyperbole. Let's be honest. Donald Trump is the kind of person to, to go fishing, catches a fish about a foot long, holds his arms, holds his hands three feet apart, and says, I caught a fish this big, and it's the biggest one ever in the history of fishing. Okay, well, you know, it's hyperbole. Some people are like, well, okay, you know, that's his personality. Personally, I don't like stuff like that. I would rather you say two plus two equals four, not two plus two equals infinity. So I, I get that, but I don't think it's fair to take 
that personality style of his, this is the biggest ever, and equate that to somebody who is deliberately telling demonstrable lies. This is somebody using hyperbole and exaggeration. Shouldn't do it. He's been getting better about that, but uh, he hasn't been. He hasn't told twenty-five thousand quote-unquote lies. That itself, guys, is just a flat-out lie. John Rush. Agree, Bob, and I, I like you. And I'll call him out on things that I don't agree with. In fact, we've done that on this program numerous times. There's things that he does on a consistent basis that I don't particularly care for. Just like I have, you know, employees that work for me that I don't particularly care for at times, things they do. And you have to sit down and have that conversation. I can't sit down and have a conversation with Donald Trump or I would in some of these cases. But to your point, Bob, he he gets really thrown under the bus on a pretty routine basis when it comes to these quote-unquote lies. Yeah, I, I wish he wasn't a, I'll call it what it is, a bragger. He is a bragger at times. Right. And, and again, I, I, I'm not that guy. I don't particularly care for people that are like that. You know, would I sit down and have a, a dinner or lunch with Donald Trump? Yeah, I would. Would he be that way off camera? I really have no idea. The things that I've heard about Donald Trump off camera from people that I know uh, that are very close to him, that I'm very close to, say he's not that way off camera, that he just tends to do that for the news media and, and the likes of that, which honestly, I don't know his mentality behind why he does that. Everything I've heard about him, he's actually one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. The one thing that I do know, and this is very public knowledge, and I think this is something Christians should look at. Anytime he does go to a particular event or an arena or wherever, he is one of the first guys. In fact, a lot of the reasons why he's late getting inside the arena is because he's outside acknowledging, shaking hands, and and talking to all of the people that are making that event happen behind the scenes, even including the guy that's probably sweeping the floors. And folks, those are things that Christians should look at and say, wait a minute, if that's the kind of guy that he is in that area, okay, that's a guy that I can get behind. Maybe I don't like the way he's always... You know, at the news media. But keep in mind, Christians that are listening, when you're constantly being attacked by the news media, how are you going to behave when you're constantly being attacked and you're in the corner? Well, you know, you're kind of going to be a pit bull at times coming back at them. Right. And I would I would very much tend to agree with you. Uh, Let's throw out on the table some of the the fact checking that I think needs to be done, because if you look on social media and you read the social media posts of some of the anti-Trumpers, including evangelical Mm anti-Trumpers, very often they'll rattle off a list of talking points. How can I as a Christian, how can you call yourself a Christian and vote for somebody who won't condemn white supremacy, says neo-Nazis are very fine people, said coronavirus is a hoax, said we should swallow Clorox, uh, only paid $750 in taxes, said all Mexicans are rapists, okay, called dead military soldiers suckers and losers, brags about assaulting sec- you know, women sexually, blah, blah, blah. You, you go down this list and, and people look at that and they get overwhelmed and they go, wow, my goodness, that's a pretty ugly laundry well, Of course list. they would, and, and it shows you the news media done a really good job of painting a picture that's false right right so what i'd like to do if we could uh i know we're not going to be we're not going to have enough time to get through all of these things but but i'd like to at least address some of them okay first of all the calling after charlottesville calling the neo-nazis very fine people and refusing to condemn white supremacy this is such an over-the-top 
level yep. of dishonesty. And I'm kind of curious what those uh, 29% of evangelical Biden supporters think about Joe Biden continually, even as of today, running commercials claiming that Donald Trump called neo-Nazis very fine people. When everybody can see the video after Charlottesville, when he said very fine people, he then said, and people, I'm not talking about neo-Nazis and white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. There are people other than the neo-Nazis, and the media has treated them very unfairly. Uh, he was clear about that, and he there's video montages of like 18, 19, 20 different times where he has said, I condemn neo-Nazis, I condemn racism, I condemn the KKK by name, I condemn over and over and over again. Uh, yet Joe Biden continues to tell that lie when he knows full well that that's a lie. And I'm just kind of curious, guys, why is it that uh, that 29% of evangelical Christians aren't offended by this kind of blatant smear on Joe Biden's part, and, and Roger Marsh, I'd love to get your take on this. It seems like they should be offended that Joe Biden does stuff like this, or do they just not know because the mainstream press won't fact check this? Yeah, I think you've got the uh, got it right on the second account there, Bob. I, the, the fact that the mainstream media has been running so much cover for the Biden-Harris campaign that and, and running so many lies and, and, and half-truths about the Trump administration, I mean, the, the fact-checking, the 25,000 lies, CNN has their list, Washington Post has their list, and it's amazing when you look at some of those. I, you're brave to get through a 1,000 of those, Bob. I can't get through more than 100, but yeah. it's always some kind of terminology where he says, you know, we had, uh, you know, jobs were created, we created 10,000 jobs this quarter, and it turned out it was 10,500. Well, see, it's a lie right there, you know, whereas right. the, the Biden campaign, I mean, it, give me a break. I mean, in terms of character, if they're trying to turn this into a character debate, I mean, quite frankly, the the Biden-Harris slogan right now is Restore America. Restore America to what? I mean, I, and I mean that sincerely. A friend of mine, an African-American guy, after the Trump victory in 2016, he said, make America great again. He said, when are you setting again as the standard? I mean, what, what, what time period are you looking at here? Because, quite frankly, a lot of people would have differences of opinion. The fact that, that the media are holding up Joe Biden to be the paragon of virtue and Donald Trump's how to, how to be this lying, conniving, evil snake, is, it's, it's utterly ridiculous. I mean, you can't fact check enough. I mean, you have to spend so much time fact trying to fact check the fact checkers who are trying to be the standards of truth it's just it, it's it's ridiculous i mean it, it gets it gets so tiresome i know we've got a debate coming up and again we're going to hear the white supremacy thing we're going to do why have will you now finally condemn you know white supremacy and that type of stuff i mean how how many more times does the guy have to do this to finally get the uh, not even a pass but just kind of get the uh, get the the record clean the fact that donald trump is rough around the edges donald trump is one of those guys who says what he means and you know and, and shoots from the hip he winds up winning more than he loses, but it's kind of like that guy in the basketball game who, who's all trash talk on the court, and he throws up a three-pointer that you don't think has any chance of going in, and it banks in. He goes, see, I, I, I called that bank. I mean, that's, that's kind of the way he is. It drives people nuts, but the points still count, you know, and that's, I think that's what people are missing the fact on here. Well, well Roger, let me just jump in. I, I, I really right think ahead. that... I really think that uh, somebody in his campaign staff needs to set up a website called TrumpAgainstWhiteSupremacy.com, and he needs to go into the next debate, and whatever the first question is, just say, well, I'll answer that in a second, but I just want to say for the record, and so that you know this too, Joe, uh, I'm against white supremacy, and if anyone wants to go to TrumpAgainstWhiteSupremacy.com and also share that link on their Twitter feed, um, 
all 18 or 20 times I've already decried it uh, and said it's wrong. Uh, all of them are listed there. You can see them for yourself. So I don't It'll expect any questions on, on that today. Well, just maybe it would. Maybe it would. But, yeah, well, I get it. Anyway, yeah. uh, bottom line is I don't think that they're attacking that directly enough. Somehow they're just leaving it up to Trump in, you know, when he's when he's confronted by somebody and he's flustered that he's not really directly handling that there needs to be somewhere to send people to just see for themselves the truth yeah he's not an eloquent eloquent debater there's no doubt about that roger and hey, roger i know we got to take a break here but uh maybe just a couple final thoughts on that and then we'll get to some of the other fact checking things we need to do yeah you know i i think the one of the interesting things about this campaign is the fact that we have seen and pointed out that there are lots of uh, you know lots of opportunities for the president to win and the president hasn't really taken advantage of all of them and i don't think it's all necessarily his fault and we'll talk about that on the other side of this break as this edition of the national crawford roundtable podcast continues dr michael yusuf leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of jesus christ This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's Word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Yusuf. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org slash listen, and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Welcome back to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, along with Bob Duco, uh, John Rush, I'm Roger Varsh, Neil Boren, still healing up from a, a bit yeah. of a, a, kind of a, <laughs> it wasn't exactly a beat-in, I think, but I mean, it was, uh, yeah, he dared, but you know, good for you, Neil, you dared to ask a question, or answer a question that was asked, why is evangelical support for Donald Trump starting to wane a little bit? Why are there so many people who identify as evangelicals? And and when you try to answer that question, uh, sometimes you wind up, you know, getting your your, your fingers pinched. You know, hey, you find you find out who your friends are, Roger. That's all I can say. Hey, you know what? You got, you got one good eye left. Quit complaining. <laughs> Right. Well, you know, I, I, Howard Kurtz wrote a piece in Fox News a couple of days ago, and he really just lambasted the Trump campaign. He said, I've never seen a more disorganized group in my life. He goes, this is r- short of catastrophic. And he started listing off all the things. It's like he was listening to our podcast from a couple of weeks ago. All the different accomplishments of the Trump administration. And he said, and why do they think that this is all about, well, Donald Trump has more character than Joe Biden? Just list your accomplishments for crying out loud. I mean, people right. think that Donald Trump is kind of stinky, you know, and that type of thing. I think if more evangelical would pay attention to the issue, you know, if they change the debate back to um, these are the accomplishments as opposed to I'm a better person than Joe Biden, uh, Donald Trump wins in a walk. I mean, it's it's, it's so it's so very, very easy. He's not going to get any support from the media outside of people like us who will actually look at this, you know, as thoroughly as we possibly can. Um, But uh, to to the point that you you were talking about, you know, Charlottesville and, you know, the, 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 the white supremacy and the you know injecting bleach into your arm you know all those different stupid things that have become uh you know have have kind of become part of the landscape of the culture um he has a lot of work to do to overcome them but i think quite frankly in the church we owe it to ourselves to say look it's 2020 we live in a sinful fallen world we have two flawed candidates one is far superior than the other it doesn't make him god it just makes him a better candidate and if we're trying to hire a new ceo of this company of this country then i mean the choice is very clear yeah that it is now i had somebody text me yesterday during my show uh challenging trump's character and whether or not he could be trusted to do anything that he's you know in other words implying that he was a liar said anyway this is the text anyway the big question if you have the courage to ask it is what good is a platform that you if you can't trust the people who make it to do what they say they will and and so what's kind of interesting is this this individual was 
making his own point uh, and and really answering the question the way I would have. Why don't take take what Donald Trump said he would do, and then check and find out if he made good on his promise. Is he working on a border wall? Do we have a stronger military? Has he stood up for the unborn? Has he appointed pro-life Supreme Court judges? I mean, just go down the list and then look at Joe Biden, who, by the way, has a slick outside demeanor. You know, everyone kind of looks at him like Grandpa Joe. He seems like a nice guy. What has he done in 47 years? And then let's honestly lay it out and take a look at it. But I I think unless you can have those kind of conversations, people just go with what the media tells them and they swallow the the Kool-Aid. One of the uh, real quick one answer. What has he done in forty-seven years? We've just found out recently that he had a very corrupt son named Hunter Biden that he funneled that. millions and millions of taxpayer dollars through his own family. Those are some of the things he's done in forty-seven years that the media That's right. talk about. I'm sorry, I, I forgot he did that. That's right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, that little thing. Can you imagine yeah. if it were Eric Trump or Don Jr. that was on the receiving oh end of all of that? My goodness. Uh, but but I, I do want to go through and, and fact check just a few more of these. Like, for example, on coronavirus, uh, the the Biden campaign, you know, they made a big TV ad buys, of course, across the country. And one of the ads that they've been running is an ad that uh, that deceptively edits a speech that Donald Trump gave in Tulsa a few months ago to make it look like Donald Trump calls coronavirus a hoax. When when you watch the entire video, you can see that Donald Trump says, when he's talking about coronavirus, he then goes in to talk about the various false attacks that Democrats have come at him with. And he said, first there was Russia collusion, saying I was a Russian agent. That was their first hoax. Okay, that didn't work. Then they t- took a perfectly innocent phone call uh, with Ukraine and impeached me for that. That was Then that was their next hoax, okay? And now claiming that I'm ignoring coronavirus or whatever, this is their latest hoax. It's clear that he was saying that the Democrats accusing Trump of ignoring coronavirus is their latest hoax attack on him. Anybody can see that. But what Joe Biden's campaign did was took coronavirus and then their latest hoax spliced them together and are running ads that says coronavirus it's their latest hoax and then uh even the washington post guys even the liberal left-wing washington post gave that ad their highest four pinocchios rating for a whopper of a lie uh yet joe biden continues to run that ad and again uh how many evangelicals out there are upset or embarrassed or ashamed that their candidate joe biden is doing something like that blatantly and openly. It seems uh, it, it seems to me, John, that they ought to be offended by that. No, I, I agree. And I, to me, this is what's so frustrating. And Neil, you know, apologize if I got excited earlier on in the podcast trying to beat you up. I'm not trying to beat you up. I just get so frustrated with our side. I mean, the Christian evangelical side where they won't go out and just do what I feel are very common sense checking on what's going on. Folks, it doesn't take a lot of time to figure out whether a Biden ad is accurate or whether it's inaccurate. What really, you know, really chaps my hide, guys, is when Christians will just take at face value whatever they see at the 10 o'clock news and think that's exactly what's going on when in fact I thought, correct me guys if I'm wrong, but I thought part of our Christian duty is to dive into things a little more deeply and find out what the real true facts 
facts are and then base our just judgments based upon our own factual findings and not just take something at face value. Am I wrong in my thought process? Nope. Not at all. Not at all. Good Bereans would hear the word of God and then we'd go back at home at night and they would study the scriptures and they would see. So then why don't evangelical Christians do the same thing when it comes to the national news media? I, I realize that was rhetorical, but my goodness, yes, it's a, it's a, it's a clarion call. It's something that we, we do a horrible job of and need to do a much better job of is Christians use meme oh, theology okay. and meme political theory. I'm going to throw one more thing out at you guys. Why don't our pastors in the pulpits do that for their congregations? Isn't that also part of their duty to be doing? Which, by the way, I guarantee you, very few are doing across the country today. They're afraid. They're too wimpy. That right. They don't want to. They want to address because they know full well that anywhere from twenty-five to thirty percent of their congregation probably refuses to vote for Donald Trump. Hates him with a passion. They're part of this. Which, which you know what, Bob? Life. To your point, you know what I blame. You know who I blame for this thirty-nine percent? The very people we're talking about right now, which is the clergy and the pastors and youth pastors and so on that are out there that aren't correcting this problem. It's on them, not the evangelicals that are the thirty-nine percent. Right. I could not agree with you. I could not agree with you more. Uh, let's get another fact check out on the table. I mean, we could spend hours just going through a long list of dozens and dozens of lies about Trump that need I, to be I mean, I, And I got, one, when, I got a tool that I want to... Can I, can I share a tool real yeah, quick please, on some of please. those real quick? Oh, I know we got to take yeah. a break. Let's take a quick break. We'll come right back. National Crawford Roundtable. Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org and be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. Guys, we're back. National Crawford Roundtable. Myself, Bob, beat up Neil, which I apologize for mm-hmm. a moment ago, and Roger, of <laughs> no course. No problem. All right, so one of the things I know, Bob, we were going to talk about as well is Twitter. I mean, everybody talks about how they don't like the way that he tweets. If I've heard that from one Christian, I've heard it from multiples. I just don't like the way he tweets. I don't like his attitude. I don't like this. I don't like that. Well, I had a guy on yesterday that I interviewed that I didn't know anything about prior to actually interviewing. His name is... Dr. Ravi Singh. He's actually a Sikh. Uh, he's one of the first turban-wearing uh, Sikhs out there that's on the you know Republican side and has spent most of his academic uh, career uh, building, if you would, a website called Twitterism, which is a website that takes every single tweet Donald Trump has put out. It uses machine technology, machine learning to then analyze that particular tweet and tell you what those tweets actually, the, the tone of the tweet, if you would, what they actually meant coming from Donald Trump, which isn't always what people would receive them as and or the news media twist those tweets around over and over again. So you can actually go to that website. It's twitterism.com and you can look at either a day, a week, a snapshot, however you want to do it and determine what's his actual tone today in all of the tweets that he has actually put out. Now, he also talked yesterday how a lot of Donald Trump's tweets that go out, especially the ones that are probably analytical, are probably not being tweeted by Donald Trump, but are probably somebody from the campaign. But the majority, get this, guys, the majority of tweets right now for 10-21-2020, convolute joy. Not anger, not fear, not any of the things that the news media would paint or even Christians would paint about Donald Trump, but the majority of his tweets today are joy. Hmm. You know what? 
that's important information to people for people to get because uh, you're absolutely right. People determine things based on limited information, based on their feelings and emotions. This is what I feel, and so therefore it must be true. But what do the actual facts show? That's a very good point. And again, everybody, it's Twitterism.com. Go to the website, Twitterism.com. Uh, let's do just a little bit more fact-checking, if we could. Uh, we mentioned coronavirus. Okay. I am so tired of hearing Joe Biden claim that Donald Trump said, inject bleach in your arm. Mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi said, Donald Trump said to swallow Clorox. Okay. Donald Trump said no such thing. Donald Trump, when he was uh, given a, a press conference with his uh, team and such uh, several weeks ago or a couple months ago or so, he was talking about this experimental UV technology that was being done. And there are university studies that have been doing this UV technology, trying to get UV rays inside the body to attack and kill coronavirus. But then Trump turned to his team, okay, looking at the doctors and said, you know, you see disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute. Is there a way we can do something like that by injection inside or almost a cleaning? Because, you see, it gets into the lungs, does a tremendous number on the lungs. So it would be interesting to check that so that you're going to have to use medical doctors with. But it sounds interesting to me. Then a reporter even asked him, uh, are you talking about injecting something into a person? And Trump said, quote, no, it wouldn't be through injection. We're talking about almost a cleaning sterilization of an area. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. But it certainly has a big effect on a stationary object. Folks, that's all he was talking about. If this were Barack Obama, right, if this were Barack Obama, everybody would be going, oh, look at how forward thinking he is outside the box saying, you know, there's disinfectant that that, that kills coronavirus. Is there a way that we can somehow modify that to use the benefits of disinfectant somehow uh, in the human body? Because after all, we do this with all kinds of other stuff like nitroglycerin and all kinds of different things that we would never think that you can ingest. So it, it, it was Trump thinking outside the box going, hey, is that something we can look into? For that to get turned into, Donald Trump said, inject bleach in your arm. And Nancy Pelosi saying, Donald Trump said to swallow Clorox. This is so dishonest. Yet, you know what? That bullet point continues to be mm-hmm. added to the list yeah. of here's why I can't vote for Donald Trump. Means. And real quick, by the way, just a side note. Do all of these people that are criticizing what he said along those lines not understand what chemotherapy is? Oh, I know. I know. I mean, essentially, what you're doing with chemotherapy is injecting a drug into your body that kills certain cells, basically wipes out all the bad cells, if you would, and, and of course, in some cases, wipes out the, the person on top. That's a whole other topic for another day. Does chemotherapy really work? And in some cases, yes, some cases, no. But let's face it, what he was talking about isn't far from chemotherapy. I have a friend who... I was just going to say that I have a friend who's a a researcher, a scientist, lives in Hamilton, Ontario. It's within our listening area. He listens to my radio show. He is working on uh, light technology and has been for about 10 years, and it's been used in certain trials to successfully treat people with cancer and other things. So raising that, it was a question. By the way, in a corporate boardroom, uh, every every idea is a good idea until it's proven not to be. They say, let's have a brainstorming session. You know, Mm -hmm. how can we get more people to go to Florida 
in the summer months, you know, whatever. Right. And people throw out their ideas. He was he was raising questions to say, I don't know, maybe we can look at some of these things as potential, uh, you know, healing for their healing properties related to, to coronavirus. But he w- he never said the word inject ever. And why right. people aren't held to account is unbelievable. There are all kinds of things that on the surface would be considered dangerous for the human body, but have been modified to be beneficial for the human body. Think about uh, injecting dye for an MRI. That's okay? right. Uh, we do stuff like that. S- colloidal silver. Okay. I mean, come on. So you want to take silver? You want to take copper and zinc? Okay. You want to take charcoal? How about boron? Or f- <laughs> Neil. <boron. laughs> yeah. How about uh, it? Okay. Folic acid. Oh, you're saying to drink acid? You know, I, I mean, there comes a point where the dishonesty has just got to stop. So, okay, so we got we got that one. I, w- I want to get another one out on the table real quick. This is one that really makes my uh, makes my eye twitch. The uh, they've been pushing this seven hundred and fifty dollars in taxes oh, to be paid in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen. Do you know if you look at the actual numbers that the New York Times themselves buried down in their story? You know what you find out? You find out that Millions. first of all, in twenty in twenty seventeen alone, Donald Trump paid an alternative minimum tax seven point four million dollars. He overpaid in federal taxes four point two million dollars to be left in the IRS to carry it over to future debt, and that doesn't even include the millions that he's paid in property taxes, real estate taxes, uh, payroll taxes, state taxes, local taxes, and on down the line. So it is just a flat-out lie that he paid $750 in taxes. Yet still, Joe Biden, once again, with commercials out there saying, a nurse pays this much in taxes, a teacher pays this much in taxes, Donald Trump paid $750 in taxes. He knows it's a lie, but once again, he's willing to lie, and evangelical Christians give him a pass as they say, boy, that Donald Trump is such a liar. Makes my opinion. And by the way, I I think even Donald Trump said himself that that 750 figure really was a filing uh, type fee that the IRS requires on all the different tax returns and things that he has going on. That was just sort of a standard fee that he paid for those two years, knowing that he had overpaid in previous years. So, yeah, the reality, Bob, and it was buried down in that that same article that nobody ever wants to talk about. Yeah, he's paid millions of dollars in taxes, not counting. You know, everybody forgets it as an employer, and I know this full well, but as an employer, not only do you pay all the taxes that you just talked about, Bob, but you match in FICA tax and, and other taxes as well. Yes, Every yes. single person that works for you that, that for some odd reason nobody's talking about. Right. right. That's a very good point. Very good point. Now, let me get one more thing out on the table because I know we're just about out of time here, but uh, there are so many of these that can be debunked in the very same way, folks, that he called all Mexicans rapists, that he called dead military soldiers suckers and losers, that he tried to ban all Muslims from the U.S., that he ignored coronavirus early on, didn't take it seriously, that he pepper-sprayed peaceful protesters outside the White House for a church photo op, that he rips immigrant babies from their mother's arms and puts them in cages. All of these things can absolutely factually be debunked just the way that we've done with these short two or three. I want to make sure everybody's clear on that. But one final thing I just want to throw out there because this one sounds so offensive to a lot of people and that is that donald trump mocked a disabled reporter's disability all right uh this is what this is the rest of the story that the press doesn't tell you okay donald trump for years for years used to do some stupid 
gesture where anytime he would mock anybody or make fun of anybody, he would make this stupid contorted face. Now, he did this when he was campaigning for president. Thankfully, he stopped doing it once he got elected because it's not presidential. But what he would do is if he was insulting somebody or mocking somebody, he would make a silly, goofy face. He would alter the voice. Okay. And then he would take his arm and he would flap his hand up and down, up and down, up and down. Okay. He would do that on a regular basis. Now, I've seen video of him doing this even way back during Celebrity Apprentice days, okay, he was being interviewed one time by Larry King. Larry King was like, uh, do you go on vacation? He says, oh, I couldn't go on vacation. I'd go crazy. I'd be like, oh, I can't do that. And he talked that way and he was flapping his hand up and down, okay? Uh, during the campaign, uh, he was counterpunching Ted Cruz. And Ted, he's like, oh, Ted Cruz says this about me. And it's like, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's flapping his hand up and down. He's done this several times toward many people. Well, sure enough, he had a New York Times reporter who wrote something dishonest about pres- uh, about candidate Trump. Trump fired back and, and then says, and now you see this reporter who says, oh, I don't remember. And he's flopping his hand up and down. Okay. Uh, what the media did was they realized, wait a minute, that reporter has a lame arm, kind of a crippled arm, where the arm is bent up and then the hand is bent down. So they took the video of his hand flopping up and down and they freeze-framed the hand down to make it look like he was creating a crippled arm look to himself and then claimed he was uh, mocking a disabled reporter. That is a flat-out lie. That's just a stupid, goofy, immature gesture that he used to do regularly against all kinds of people, including himself. Uh, And it just so happened that one of the people that he happened to attack happened to have a lame arm. And so the, the video was edited out of context to make it look like he did that. But still, guys, you got a bunch of people out there that are convinced Donald Trump actually mocked a reporter's disability. The evidence does not support that, guys. Yeah. Well, well, here's the problem, but Bob, here's the problem with everything you just said. It's not a problem with you. You just took way more time to explain what really happened than most Americans are willing to devote to actually. That's right, Roger. And that's what's well so said. frustrating. Yeah. It's like, well, you're not, you're not going to take time. That, that is very well said. You're absolutely right. Okay. Is it asking too much to take just a few minutes and find out what the actual facts are instead of just deciding. Guys, we do this with our radio shows, don't we? We see something in the news, mm-hmm. we see a story, and it's like, wow, that looks good. Do we run with the first time we see it? No, we corroborate it. We investigate it. Uh, we, we say, okay, well, now, what are the liberals? What are the other sides saying about this? Let's make sure this is accurate or not, okay? We, we vet and we investigate it before we actually run with it. I, I could the, not agree with you more, guys. The the terrifying thought that's in the back of my mind is who's keeping the mainstream media in lockstep together? Because they love to, to one-up each other. It's why you always hear our exclusive report. We were the first to say, well, well, how about one of them comes clean about the Hunter Biden laptop story? Or how about one of them tells the right. truth about Donald Trump's gestures like you just described? And, and, and they get the one-up on the other mainstream media and they begin to be seen as somebody who actually fact-checks and tells the truth. But they're all walking together in lockstep. And I'm wondering... How how that's being accomplished? I think it's yeah. terrifying to consider. Well, Neil, you know what I think? Well, this is anecdotal. I mean, I don't have the research on this, but quite frankly, because of the what's happened on 
college campuses, what's happening, what just happens regularly in the media. I don't think they even have to try anymore. I mean, it really just becomes a question of if you want to be part of this club at CNN or MSNBC, CNBC, whatever, then you, you're just going to think this way. We all know what the story is. I do know that there are some Democrat operatives because, unfortunately, I have some people in my world who work for some of these, you know, like left-leaning gun-grabbing groups and stuff like that. And I can set my watch to it. I can look, open my Facebook or Instagram first thing in the morning and say, I know exactly what all of them are going to say because they'll all post or tweet the exact same thing with regard to what the narrative is. There, yeah. there is some, there is a concentrated effort, but to the, to the. Don Lemons and, you know, Chris Cuomo's of the world and stuff like that. I think they're just trying to outdo each other, but they have just, it's become so ingrained in who they are. Okay, we all know the narrative is Donald Trump's a bad guy, so whatever you can find. Didn't Jeff Bezos at the Washington Post hire 150 reporters to dig up dirt on Donald Trump after he was elected? I mean, they 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 completely naked and unashamed, you know, they're, they're disdain right. for this guy. So I, I, I wish that there were some, oh, if we just pull the curtain back and there's George Soros pulling all the strings. I, I think it's far greater than that and i don't know how you stem the tide other than just staying the course and doing things like what we're doing with our individual programs with this podcast because quite yep. frankly i mean not that we're the the clarion call to truth but I, I think at least we're willing to have harder conversations and deeper conversations and and hopefully model that for the people who tune into our programs absolutely yeah. amen well, I'll tell you what, uh, there's so much more, obviously, we could talk about, but uh, we uh, we are out of time, everybody, on this National Crawford Roundtable, uh, and I just want to encourage everybody out there, okay, take the time, investigate the facts, don't assume that what you see in social media, or in the news media, for that matter, is actually really true. Find out the facts, and you examine the policies and positions of Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, and you tell me which of these policies and positions are going to be more honoring to God versus less honoring to God for you to use your vote on. And uh, we would love for you folks to uh, to give us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Stitcher, tune in and more. You can also go to Crawford.live uh, as well and listen to uh, past episodes. And John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line from Southern California. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. I know he's heading to the hospital now from earlier. And uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. Uh, you know, as we said before, Neil, you know what? You, you, you can always chew on the other side, okay? So it's not, you don't need all the Love but, it. Uh, anyway, always great catching up with you guys. Uh, thanks a lot. Looking forward to next week. Uh, God bless you. Sounds thanks. great. Likewise, bless you guys. Hey, you bet. We'll see everybody. Thanks. God bless. This has been the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Company production.